What are you wearing today? Well, we uh, we kind of have a, a rule at CPL Aromas. We we try not to wear any perfume at all because it uh, it tends to confuse um, our our work colleagues. We do a lot of um, evaluation in in. in um, in the offices and the laboratories so um, generally we don't wear perfumes and so I'm not wearing anything today. Fair enough, fair enough, oh mm. natural. And um, Carla was talking earlier about how sometimes we can put scent on, maybe we're drawn in by the marketing and the idea of that scent, the idea of a lifestyle and we're maybe masking who we really are. Uh, what do you think about that? Well I think that um, fragrances are all around us and fragrances generally enrich our lives and um, okay they might um, um, mask some of the odours but um, sometimes those, o- those odours aren't terribly pleasant so it's not, not such a bad thing. But um, no, I'm, I'm all in favour of it. Okay. So explain what you do. It's a family business, mm. uh, really based in the UK, but here now in the UAE. Mm. Uh, how many people are working for you and what happens under, behind the doors of Aromas? Well, we create and manufacture the fragrance concentrate or the, or the juice, that is. Um, typically, our, our customers, the big brands in the world, when they want to launch um, a fragrance, they'll come to us and we have the noses or the creative perfumers. And they will have a vast array of raw materials, many thousands of them, with which to work. And um, that's their palette, if you like. And um, so the, the perfumers will create and try to be innovative and come up with a new scent that we will then um, sell to our customers, who will then bottle it and sell it into the market. A fragrance, um, a fine fragrance, for example, is typically about 10 to 20% of fragrance concentrate, and the rest is alcohol. And so our job is to create the juice, the fragrance concentrate. We will then manufacture it in our factories around the world and, and sell it on. So in, in Dubai, for example, we've been, um, we've been here for about 10 years. We have, we have um, three creative perfumers, but we also now have a factory. You know, in this region, we have this uh, sort of interesting um, uh, paradox of loving things that are brought in from the outside, so Western sort of typical brands, uh, but at the same time, we've got our own cultural preferences and factors and variables that we grew up with Mm. and associate, uh, you know, culturally relative uh, associations. Is that difficult to balance uh, what is common and what is culture-specific? Yes, the the cultural diversity is a very important consideration when we're creating fragrances, and and it's why we have perfumers Mm. in various locations in the world. So the perfumers that we have here in Dubai will be very much in tune with with what the the local tastes are. So we'll know that um, people in this region, they want to have a very long-lasting fragrance uh, for a variety of Mm. reasons, but primarily the, um, the weather. And also people wear fragrances very differently here. Um, you have the attars where there's no alcohol present and we know that people like to have oud and sandalwood and so on. So we have more of those sorts of raw materials on the palette in, in our factory. And it, another sort of added difficulty here is because of the, we, we live in this multicultural society, and so there's <laughs> the, the, there isn't a dominant culture that kind of you know um, takes over. Um, what about in terms of including uh, so th- some of the more popular scents? Uh, do there's there's a demand for that as well? Very much so. Yeah. So which would be what? What are the ones that are that you know kind of the the most sort of common if you like through time when it comes to commercial scent and perfume in, in terms of um, fragrance types people will always go for florals florals are very popular 
Um, but but again, in different parts of the world, you, you get different strengths. So, for example, in um, Japan, for example, where the, um, the culture is much more reserved, people tend to have um, fragrances that are much lighter. So you'd have light um, florals, something like that. Whereas in other, other parts of the world, you know, um, perhaps more gregarious cultures, you might have a, a fragrance that's a little bit more out there, shall we say. Okay. Well, people have been texting in what they would like as, to be part of their personal perfume, if they could have their own perfume made for them. Amir saying amber plus wood plus pine. Mm. Um, interesting when you say wood, that woody, woody scent, um, what that means. Amber is also a very interesting one as well, isn't it? Uh, we also have uh, from Kevin saying special flower scents would be freshly picked sweet pea flowers. Uh, crocus, just flowering. So I think these are memories. These are when you smell in the real, out there in the real world what it elicits for you. Uh, Lily of the Valley, lavender pathways in France, and his foodie smells and scents would be freshly baking bread, tomato off the vine and fresh basil and the Christmas day lunch smell thanks for that Kevin yeah bringing back memories yeah Yeah. I I find that amazing just listening to the conversation the words that people use I mean it's all courtesy of the blog sphere that people have really started engaging in components um, of, of perfumery and of course the fragrance houses the noses they're picking up on this and you've got companies creating the smell of dirt or the smell of roast beef. And it takes me to a question. What is happening to the world of perfumery? Because I see it as absolutely mass. And there are interesting little niche, but they're also misbehaving and they're no longer niche because they've got to have the money to make them produce other stuff. You're right. Um, the, the, the niche brands are, are now going mass. But um, I think it's, uh, it's all good in a way because it means there's a great deal more choice in perfumes. I think people um, understand um, that the that the brands um, are, are very important, but um, people have the choice. Now, there's uh, many, many different sorts of fragrances that people can buy. And if you, if you like oud, for example, you know that there are many different brands that, that, that have oud, although there's probably not very much actual oud in the product itself because, as we know, oud is incredibly expensive and it's an endangered species now. Right, okay, I didn't know that, so that's interesting. Mm. So, ha- so, th- so the science of it then, what's happening in the laboratory that recreates these, what we think are natural mm. uh, aromas, but not necessarily? The innovation from perfumery actually stems from science. And um, there are new molecules being developed all the time which um, allow the perfumer to become even more creative. I think an example of this, if you go back to the 1920s, um, Chanel 5 was the first, one of the first fragrances to use a group of chemicals called um, aldehydes. And if you were to smell these, um, these chemicals, this aldehyde C11 in this case, you'd think, how could this possibly be used in a perfume? It smells very, very fatty, very soapy, quite strong. But there was a ge- the genius of the perfumer, a guy called Ernest Bow, decided to use this in combination with other raw materials and came up with um, Chanel Number no. 5, which obviously has been rather successful. <laughs> and uh, one of our listeners texting saying, always Chanel Number no. 5. Yeah, people are fiercely loyal mm. uh, to Chanel Number no. 5, aren't they? I think consumers are also becoming very creative. Mm. So I know in this part of the world, uh, women are buying men's perfumes, men are using female perfumes, they're mixing them up sometimes, uh, using other oils to complement. So are cons- do you find consumers are becoming more creative as well? Yes, I think there's definitely evidence that um, 
that women will buy a men's fragrance or be very happy to, to buy a men's fragrance because, uh, because of the raw materials that are used, whereas I think men would be less inclined to use a, a very floral or fruity fragrance. Mm. I, I, um, if you were to read um, Luca Turin, who's a, 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 an author, a scientist, and um, is very active within the, the fragrance blog sphere, he absolutely recommends that men at least once in their life put a couple of drops of number five under their shirt <laughs> because apparently the male body sublimates perfectly with it. But the, the idea of number five is an interesting one because people um, writing in today are referring to single florals like crocuses or sweet peas. And I think when I believe when Chanel number no. five was created, it was one of the first fragrances that had a bouquet of, of something that mm. was feminine, but it didn't actually celebrate single florals at all. And and in addition to the aldehydes, that's, that, that was its magic yes. and remains the magic of it. Mm, very much so. It's, um, it's a combination of, um, of, of lots of different um, sort of groups of, of materials, um, very floral, lots of jasmine, and there's rose in there as well. But then there's also some, some ambery notes and some musky notes in the base. A dangerous question. When you read through the blog spheres, you get this amazing conversation, the vintage versus the modern. Mm. What is happening to the old fragrances? Are they intellectually still the same, but compositionally much changed? No, they, they have had to change. Um, as, as we um, understand a little bit more about the raw materials that are used, we, we can no longer use them. And, and very often, um, people are uncomfortable using animal products. So we were talking about amber earlier on. Um, modern amber um, comes from ambergris, and, uh, which comes from the, the sperm whale and um, people are uncomfortable using that um, also musk people musk from the musk deer is no longer used in perfumery um, when we talk about musk we talk about the white musk which is um, which are aromachemicals so um, so modern you know perfumery is changing and I think people wouldn't even realize you know many people wouldn't even have known that to understand the origins of the scent and where it comes from so Samane and I along with Carlo we're in discussion with Francis Pickthall who is director of CPL Aromas an international fragrance house based in the UK and here in the UAE been going since 1971 it's a family business and uh, it's great to talk with you and to learn actually about the origins of fragrance and scent and what's happening what's going into the perfume bottles of today and in fact what's going to happen in the future Kevin says uh, we tried making our own scents when we lived in Grasse in the south of France uh, we tried to do this actually as a perfumier um, it's very difficult to get it right and to mix what goes with what so the mixology if you will of the juices and how we can put together perfumes bespoke if you wish um, people are sharing what they would like um, citrusy fragrances on the day I'm out and about I think flowers or lemons and lime that's from one of our listeners and uh, also earlier we were talking about that I don't know how we identify how scent is a part of our identity and how it makes us feel and uh, one of our listeners texted in to say that uh, they, they've been using a particular scent uh, one here the one by Dolce and Cabano Cabana sorry woody scent and I've got a few compliments from the ladies so that's good <laughs> so there you go and someone else is saying Encre Noir it's my favorite for the summer it's not liked by many but I love it fabulous so, fragrance very dark it's by Lalique I think that is and it really is a wonderful wonderful smell and again I think because of the heat and humidity within our environment it really kind of you know that that, that almost cooks it mm. and sublimates it 
and how significant that is to how you blend for the climate that we're in yes very very much so um so in this region if you um wear the very light florals or the citrus fragrances they're not going to last very long because they're, they're too volatile so that's why um the musky perfumes tend to be very popular and the spicy fragrances woody fragrances because the uh that you know they're, they're less volatile and they, they'll last um for hours and hours on the skin so what are some of the recent ingredients or molecules, as you were referring to, that have become popular? Well, I, I think there's, there's always innovation um, in, in perfumery, and the perfumers are always looking for the, the next ingredient. I, can, I, can, I mean, it's a, a few years ago now, but I can, I can remember when an, um, an aroma chemical called Cologne was, was put onto the market, and it, um, it smells um, ozonic, very uh, ethereal almost. And perfumers started experimenting with this, um, and, 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 it, and it's fa- it found its way into uh, um, a fragrance called New West by Aramis and then into Issy Miyake, fragrances like that. And so fragrances changed in, in, the, in the 90s. They became very ozonic. And that was because of the innovations that, um, that science provided. And there are many examples like that. And I think if we think of our grandparents or even great-grandparents, it just, I hadn't thought of it before, but just listening to that, yes, in my world, scent has changed. The sense of my childhood mm. from the people around me to the sense of today and the people around me. But you've also, you, you, you've got various things happening. I mean, this, this um, calone molecule, it, it um, kind of popped out of the laboratory at the right time. It was a very unhealthy time on the landscape of society. People were ill. AIDS was in the news. And therefore, you know, dark pungent seductive fragrances were no longer wanted and the market needed something that was light and airy and clean but said, I, am he- I am healthy who said mm. who says that though well i think if you look in the 1980s you know there were some some very very um loud fragrances should we should we call were, were created things like poison and things like Giorgio, which were very much in your face and and i think we'd had enough of that by the 1990s and the, and there was uh, an appetite for some of these um, lighter fragrances more ozonic so I, th- I think that's partly the reason yeah and i think fragrances are like are, are, are very much like fashion and cloth if you look at you know, post-war time, the Dior look, everything was, there's a different nuance, a different slant to it, and fragrances behave the same way. Mm. They they reflect the landscape, and whether they come along at the right time, or there's some very interesting matrix behind the scenes, kind of engineering things, so that, you know, culturally, we're all affected and manipulated, I'm not quite sure. But it's just fascinating, the amalgamation of uh, these different variables that can come together. And any variation in these variables can create a totally different scent. Yes. Is that... Is that yes. Some yeah. of the materials that we use are incredibly powerful. So you, you might only need sort of 0.1% of a wow. particular material. And if you just increase the dosage of that, the fragrance would change beyond all recognition. But I think the, you know, the real skill of the perfumer is the ability to be able to learn these thousands and thousands of different of raw materials that they, they have in their, their brain at any one time. And the skill is to be able to create different accords, um, but um, to blend them in a way that smells pleasant. Mm. It's like music, isn't yeah. it? Is, is the world yeah. of, of perfume, do you, do you think it might go back to basics? I mean, the world of cookery has gone completely mad. We have pureed cows. We have put them inside a plastic bag. We've inhaled them. Uh, we've done everything we can with food and almost the same with, with fragrance. Do you think there'll be a trend back to single florals where people will just want something kind of organic 
and um, next to the skin rather than, you know, out in the wind. Well, I think there's there's already been some evidence of that. Um, you know, we were talking about the niche fragrances and, and how popular they've become. And uh, many of the niche fragrances are, are single floral types. And um, so that, that, that's, that's definitely been a trend, I think. Mm. Well, you're saying about the blends and uh, actually one of our listeners, Espani, just texting to say, for ages I've been using a mix of Fahrenheit and Issy Miyaki uh. and during the day and Aqua Di Gio at night. The mix works and smells beautiful and they've come back with the mix. So 100 millilitres of Issy and 60 millilitres of Fahrenheit. <laughs> I'll, write, I'll, I'll write this down. <laughs> <laughs> Utterly brilliant. Wow. <laughs> so... Uh, they don't just spray it and mix it on the skin. They they actually mix it in the bottle. Wow. But she, um, clearly, like the Empress Josephine, she doesn't <laughs> want to be forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that lovely story, isn't it? Well, a kind of lovely story, I think. And it is, and if it's demonstrating the power of fragrance uh, coming out of uh, France and uh, the... the yes, um, Napoleon decided to leave her and she got her own back by spraying her, um, her rooms, their rooms, um, with um, her very favourite um, fragrance. So every time he stepped into it, um, there was just no getting away from her. Yeah, and uh, no going in there with anybody else, because exactly. you're not going to forget me. That was Empress Josephine. So the power of scent, what it elicits for us, how it makes us feel. And tell us a bit about Aromas, the background. It's a family business, so how did this come about? Well, well, CPL Aromas, as you say, it's a family business, but uh, but actually perfumery has been in my, my family now for three generations. Um, the Pickthall family have been working for various um, companies around the world, and it was um, uh, my father and, and his brother who decided to have the idea of setting up um, what used to be called Contemporary Perfumers Limited. And um, yeah, that was um, that was uh, over 40 years ago. Now, um, CPL Aromas is a, an international company with um, 500 staff, 17 locations around the world, and many, many perfumers um, creating fragrances in, in, in various locations. Yeah, it's fascinating. I love it when it's a family business. So over the 40 years, mm. originally from the UK, um, what what what's, what did your father tell you? What did he say to you? What were the changes? How has it changed in this industry, this business? Well, I I, I trained as a perfumer and, and worked as a perfumer for several years, and and and, and the industry has changed enormously. There were. I think that one of the biggest changes really is in the in the raw materials that we that we can use so many of the raw materials that were on the perfumer's palette are no longer available um we were talking about oud being endangered um the tree that it comes from the aquilaria tree i believe it is is an an endangered species and there are there are other examples of um, of raw materials that we can no longer use um we, we you know we've, we we do testing um on 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 various fragrances and we discover that some of them are can give an allergic reaction and, and so we have to stay away from those materials uh, many of which are in fact natural mm, i was going to ask you as well in terms of reactions and emotional mm. because perfume and scents are very emotive mm. so is there a difference between the raw material and synthetic material and the emotional reactions uh, of people I, i'm not sure about the emotional reactions whether they're synthetic or, or, or natural <laughs> i mean the uh, the the you know the uh, the molecules themselves um, occur in nature, mm. but they're produced by a synthetic process, um, which um, allows the perfumes to be much more affordable these days. Mm. Interesting, isn't it? So you need maybe need a psychologist in there as well, <laughs> yes. along with the noses and the mixologists <laughs> of the juices, putting it all together. Sam and A and I are in conversation. We've got Carlo with us today, which is lovely to have him back in the studio. He's a lover of perfume and fragrance, 
and also joining us from an international fragrance house from the UK but based here as well and around the world that's Francis Pickthall who's director of CPL Aromas so thanks for joining us this morning and we've been asking you for your thoughts on your preferences what you're wearing this morning when it comes to scent but also what you'd like to put into your own bottle of perfume uh, Bazith is texting to say greetings perfumery is artistic it's like music it brings memories makes your day kills your day on the other hand too like using strong oud in summer I like uh, Arabic French and I'm always carried away by Tom Ford oud wood or smell shall be considered uh, something when you're choosing for somebody else so my bespoke choice would be oud plus leather plus wood plus musk plus floral there's a lot going into that one a great deal going into that one i think that's going to be a very long lasting fragrance (laughs) (laughs) for days Uh, covering all the bases but the brilliant thing is that one spray and you're transported i mean you could be living in the middle of nowhere never having visited the, the arab world at all one spray odors on your skin and suddenly you get to to smell and in some way understand that landscape i think that's the great thing about fragrance is transportational let's play the next clip for you you selected this carlo give us a little introduction it's from the movie american hustle i just absolutely adore jennifer lawrence as the brilliantly neurotic housewife mm-hmm. and the way she kind of takes her philosophy about life from her cosmetics and this scene is, is a wonderful scene where she's talking about the top coat of her nail polish. I chip them moving furniture. It's my new obsession. Moving, redecorating. It makes me feel better, like exercise. But, oh, there's yeah. this, but there's this top coat that you can only get from Switzerland. And I don't know what I'm going to do because I'm running out of it. But I love the oh, smell I can get of it. it Urban, I can't get enough of it. That would be amazing. Cool. There's something, the, the top coat, it's like perfumey, but there's also something rotten. And I know that sounds crazy, but yeah. I can't get enough of it. I smell it. It's true. Dolly. Historically, <laughs> yeah, no, the best perfumes in the world, they're all laced with true. something nasty. Stop, stop. It, 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 it is true. It feels true. It feels true. Irving loves them. Oh, my God. You can't God. get enough of that. <laughs> the, the, the nasties and fragrance, jasmine and civet. Mm. Tell us a little bit about these things. Well, many of the raw materials that we use... Um, you smell them, you know, up close, concentrated, and their concentrated form do actually smell pretty nasty. So, um, f- uh, jasmine um, fragrances have um, indole in them, which is um, a very animalic type, unpleasant smelling material. But but it gives it the gives the jasmine the character. Jasmine wouldn't smell of jasmine without this ingredient in it. And then you have many other fragrances. Some of the uh, the men's fougere type fragrances, which are very animalic. Uh, and have um, some of the castorium type materials in them which in themselves are pretty unpleasant but they're essential to the fragrance as a whole and they have a, a, a fecal quality i can't think of another word yes um and that's the, the kind of dirty dung reference that she makes um you know to this top coat of hers that makes me think of petunia oil to me petunia oil that yeah. kind of dungy smell it's musty fusty that's what i think it's a whole different vocabulary <laughs> isn't it it's a whole different vocabulary with the words that are used i i i think um the i think what's amazing when you look at diversity and forget vocabulary just back to ingredients there's a tribe somewhere in mali and what they do to perfume themselves is rub onion on their skin and this apparently is the most wonderful of fragrances 
So um, I'm not sure how we would respond to somebody who's rubbed yeah. down with onion. <laughs> <laughs> Sally was asking, it's a good question when it comes to something like um, musk. The origins of musk, the, the, the true musk and the one that's been put together, created, mm. can you tell the difference? Yes, very much so. Um, they're, they're almost completely different, in fact, these days. The, um, the musk that, um, that we would recognise these days is the kind of the white musk um, smell that you'd get. And um, this is used in, in, in perfumery as a fixative, if you like. Um, it um, makes the um, more volatile ingredients, like the citrus notes, more long-lasting. And it holds the fragrance together. But in fact, the musky notes, the white musky notes, are, are actually used um, most commonly in functional, fragr in functional um, fragrances like um, laundry products, for example, where you need to have a fragrance that can last a long time but, but also survive a high temperature. Um, fabric conditioner, powdered detergents, those kind of things. The, the musky materials are very, very common there. Yeah, are we using scent um, in, in, in sort of diverse environments and, and locations and things? So I noticed, for example, now when you walk into a hotel lobby, uh, there is a beautiful scent that's mm. individual, and, and I associate that scent with that lobby mm. or with that hotel. Are different hotels branding It's a brilliant scents? point. I've noticed, especially yeah. when I've got visitors, you realise that mm. the hotels in the UAE smell beautiful. Yes. Mm. I really notice it. Yeah, this is something that um, that we have some experience of at CPL Aromas. I can't mention names, but uh, but we mm. work with um, a, a number of hotel chains. And, and th they want just that. You know, they, they want to be remembered. They, they want to have a, a corporate identity in many ways. And, and so they'll use um, a, a fragrance um, through the air conditioning system or so on that um, is reminiscent or typical of the region. So you, you get the heavy oud type, um, leathery type fragrances in many of the hotels. Mm -hmm. And I think it's brilliant that they're using the scent mm. as one of the senses to connect, you know, and traditionally we may have used music, mm. uh, we may have used, you know, the uh, sight and uh, visual aesthetics, and now that scent is being used. Even in companies and organizations, they're releasing or, or customizing scents. And in mosques as well, mm. they're mixing fragrance into the cement of the buildings. Oh, really? Wow. So, they, they, had, you know. they had always done that. Historically, the, the, the idea of putting um, attar of rose um, within the, the, the cement or the mix, and so when the, the, the sun hit the building, it would heat. And of course, as you, as, as you would um, rightly say, it's um, diffused, it evaporates. So they kept um, replenishing that by just wiping pure um, rose oil onto the the walls of the mosques, which is why you have this um, connection with Islam, prayer and rose. Oh, it's just fascinating, isn't it? Uh, so when it comes to putting our perfume on, Francis, are there sort of no-nos? How should we be doing this so we are getting the most benefit from the fragrance? Well, there are sort of pulse points and, um, you know, um, on, um, on, the, on the neck and um, on the wrist are, are the typical places to, to, to put perfume. But um, I think, you know, anything goes, really. It's, it's up to the individual. Mm. <laughs> Have you got a preference, Mr. Carlo? No, but I was saying to you earlier on, because you were telling me that sometimes you're um, irritated. Yeah. And I said, don't, Make me sneeze don't or apply it, mm. you know, to the areas around your head or your arms. Apply it to your legs. And then the fragrance will lift 
rise up or rise amazing <laughs> wow yeah fabulous so i think um when you have a shower mm-hmm. and you're getting ready in the morning um you may put your deodorant on is it the last thing you put on before you leave the house is it a part of your ablution mm. interesting does it matter let us know your thoughts on 4001 and i think there you go the compliment of what we are doing as individuals to how we have our environments and surroundings with a hint or, or a sense of fragrance and how it sets a mood as well now um, I remember some years ago at the Edinburgh Festival going to see a a theatre show it was um, a children's show actually and what I loved in the first couple of scenes of sitting in the auditorium was that uh, it was set in a French uh, forest and the actors came out and sprayed a natural fragrance through the auditorium which sort of using puppets on the stage so you felt that you were taken to that place not only visually or auditory but also via your smell as well the scent of a pine forest such a wonderful idea absolutely and it's very very powerful um and right now we've got people who are creating 4d experiences movies and that includes things like experiencing rain wind lightning bubbles coming out into the cinema as well as scents so the different sort of smells uh, that are associated with that movie as you're sitting and watching this uh, traditionally we would have related or associated through our mirror neurons cognitively but now through sense and association you can almost really feel like you're part of that presentation or the part of that scene Mm -hmm. and I think that's a fascinating place where uh, movie and the visual experience is taking us yeah so Somerset Maughan said beauty is an ecstasy it's as simple as hunger there is really nothing to be said about it it's like the perfume of a rose you can smell it and that is all and certainly through our conversation feeling like I need to respect a little bit more the perfume and fragrance and scent and the provenance rather like food understand where it comes from respect it enjoy it and maybe be more educated on it as well um so on that note uh Share with us a little bit more about what you're doing at CPL Aromas, Francis, and particularly with the CSR initiatives. Yes, um, w- you know we're a, we're a private company, so we we have the flexibility to do some of the things that we we feel are right, and um, we we've been trying to um, create employment opportunities for the visually impaired. We had this idea that um, the visually impaired and the blind would have a heightened sense of smell, if you like, and. Um, a lot of people think this is true, but we had to go about actually trying to prove it. So we did some scientific research with a, with a number of um, blind students in, in India and in, and in the UK. And we came up with some conclusive proof and evidence that that is indeed true, that um, the visually impaired do have a, a heightened sense of smell. So, you know, for a business like CPL and, and our fragrance industry, this is great news. This, this means that... Um, uh, you know, we particularly in, in, in the areas of quality control, where we have to be absolutely certain about the um, the strength of the fragrance or something like that, we've been able to um, offer um, employment opportunities to the visually impaired, and we have some blind people working for us in in India. It's amazing. It's interesting. And so this idea of the, the noses, what your perfumers are doing, um, rather like with the you know, tastes of food, so honed in to mm. picking up on certain nuances of scent. Um, who else is part of this uh, machine, if you like, to produce 
perfume? Well, there's a there's a number of different departments that we have. Um, you know, we'll we'll try to firstly um, analyse the, the 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 customer's um, inquiry, the project. They'll give us a little bit of information about about the um, about the fragrance that they're going to launch. They might give us um, an idea about well, you know um, how much it might cost, or the colour, or the region of the world, or so on. But then the uh, the perfumers will discuss with what we, with the evaluators. So the, the creative perfumers will go away and, and create a fragrance, but then they need a sounding board. They need um, the evaluators to come and say, actually, I don't think that's very good. I don't think that's appropriate. And uh, and you know they they need to be um, quite um, quite tough in in their in their in their thoughts. So we have to be very sure that the fragrance is going to be is going to work in the environment that it's intended for before it finds its way to the customer and is it highly competitive i imagine it is is it the same that you know that you have in other industries where um there's top security that you want to be the one that produces the next new blend of fragrance of scent before anybody else yes our ip is is the formulas themselves and uh, obviously they are they're very precious to us um nobody nobody outside of cpl aromas will see the fragrance formulation and the the formula itself can um, contain up to a hundred different ingredients and um we, we have someone on Twitter asking that I would love to enter this world. And so how does one uh, get educated or what subject would they take and how would they train to work with an organization like yeah. yeah. Well, there are two different types of perfumer, really. I mean, you have the um, creative perfumers who are the more arty ones who would be getting involved in fine fragrances. But we also need chemists as well. So if you have a chemistry background, that's, that's a good starting point for um, becoming a perfumer because actually most of the fragrances that are created in the world are not for fine fragrances um, they're for functional products like um, sort of um, mundane products like bleaches and um, air fresheners and, and so on where the fragrance is incredibly important and they need to be stable and they need to work uh, and, and so that's why the chemistry background is important but um, for creative perfumers there are places where you can go to college there's an um, ISIPCA for example in France where you can um, study to become a perfumer but many, many perfumers, certainly the perfumers I know, have um, don't necessarily have you know a degree or anything like that. They join a fragrance house and, and work as an assistant to a perfumer because you know the one thing that you've got to have is a great sense of smell. And um, if you work for a fragrance company and you've got a great sense of smell, you'll get on. Yeah. Do you do you have your nose insured? <laughs> insure the nose. In fact, my my um my uncle who started the business with with with, uh, with my father did insure his nose. That's right. <laughs> Apparently, there Incredible. are there, there there are more astronauts than there are perfumers. Wow. So noses absolutely have to be insured. And does that mean that you're always in a because you trained as a perfumer mm. that in a heightened state? So wherever yes. you go, your sense your sense of smell you you pick up everything as you're moving from space to space. Yes, going to a, a supermarket with a perfumer can be a very long <laughs> um, drawn out experience because we tend to pick things up on the shelf and just smell them, whether it be um, fabric softeners or air fresheners. We can't leave things alone; we have to smell them. <laughs> that, that that whole world of detergents drives me bonkers because these days, like everybody else. My laundry is washed, but in, uh, so I know it's clean. But if it doesn't have an aftertone, an aftersmell or scent of the detergent which lingers or the softener, I'm, also, I'm almost not believing that it is mm. actually mm. clean. Mm. Mm. No, A right. dangerous game that um, your laboratories are playing with our minds. It, it's, <laughs> it, it's very psychological. If, yes, if, you, if, you're, um, if, you're, if your cl- clothes are laundered uh, with a product that has no fragrance in it, you'll think they're not clean. 
they're, mm. they're, they're, they're possibly very clean, but actually they need to smell clean as well for you to think that they're clean. And what? there are some people who will repeatedly wash their clothes to achieve that sense. Mm. And some people that want a strong sense of that detergent mm. on their mm. bed sheets and mm-hmm. others who won't, like yes. me, would prefer to have less of that. Mm. Uh, yeah, it, it is very personal, isn't it? Which takes us back to this kind of kaleidoscopic um, layering of smells and fragrances that we are all walking around with the shampoo, the deodorant, the conditioner, the body wash, the laundered linen, your laundered clothes, and then you spray something on top. Mm. <laughs> and the, the floors that are washed. Who are we? Who are we? What do we actually smell of? <laughs> well, Jennifer Aniston, the actress, she has a nice idea. She says, one tradition I have with my friends is that when one of us gets married, we have a ton of fragrance oils and pretty bottles at the bachelor bachelorette party um, or hen party everyone puts a drop or two in a bottle for the bride and makes a wish and the bride wears our creation on her wedding day and it made me think Francis uh, for the mere mortals among us you know sort of the public general public are we getting closer to this kind of idea being accessible where we can maybe create our own perfumes for ourselves without it costing an absolute fortune yes there's no reason why not I mean many of the raw materials materials are, are available you know you can buy patchley oil you can buy orange oil and so on and you can you can experiment and layer them and so on but um, I know that uh, many people will also try to layer the, the fragrance itself so have a, a few sprays of this on the skin and a couple of sprays of something else and I have a couple of lovely messages very different actually in tone so this one as we're going nearing the end of the show uh, George was saying earlier that he has a a theory about pheromones and he says I think we secrete natural pheromones from uh, uh, just at the base of the nose I don't know if that's the case Um, and so subconsciously we are inhaling each other um, which is why also one can be attracted to one person Uh, it's a chemistry it literally is a chemistry that natural inexplicable intense attraction that we can't explain and i think it's all about the nose that special kind of chemistry so kind of romantic hmm. no very much so i mean i'm going back to the pheromones I, i'm i'm you can buy fragrances that have or claim to have pheromones in them but uh fragrance houses don't actually believe that they work ah but, um, hmm. i i am um but you see, to me, um, George's uh, kind of point of view bec- it has legitimacy if we're living in an odorless space. Almost, you know, like our protagonist in your movie, Perfume. In fact, like our gentleman here in the studio, he's odorless. So then you can pick up on other odorless people's pheromones. Because it's very subtle, it's very subtle, it's, anim- it's animalistic. It is animalistic, mm. it's right back to nature, right back isn't to it? Nature. Right back to nature, Fascinating. And uh, Joanna's texting to say, my mum always says that if she found a perfume smelling like freshly cut grass, she would wear it, she'd bottle it. I say that all cows and goats would follow her. <laughs> <laughs> I love the smell of lilies of the valley and my favourite perfume is Calvin Klein Eternity Moments. Are you familiar with that scent? Quite, no. quite no. floral I believe floral I would imagine she's liking Lily of the Valley and that kind of thing um, so yeah it is a big topic and I feel like I've learned quite a lot today it surprised me where perfume comes from scent the philosophy the culture and respecting it as well across cultures and I think living here in the UAE we have so many different scents and aromas through the people that we live side by side with
That's right. And I think, you know, it's important to have the conversation about this. A lot of people in relationships, especially from different cultural backgrounds, may be used to different scents or they may not like the stronger scents. And uh, talk about it, you know, express it. Don't sit in silence and worry about what the other person uh, might say or do. Also, in terms of scents and association, I know people who, for example, would start using lavender first thing in the morning um, or citrus or whatever your choice is and they associate that and, and visualize calm places, peace and tranquility and apparently after seven days of doing this, uh, once you smell that scent, it takes you to that place of tranquility and calm Well it's I sprinkled mm. some uh, oil on my pillows last night which mm. was lavender and mm. I slept like a baby mm-hmm. I don't know if it's to do with the lavender or not. Placebo effect placebo, or not know, you know, if it works, why not? Why not? Certain scents apparently calm us and relaxes and others make us want to get up and go and and some used to allow us to tell the time or at least the Chinese because they had actually found a way of producing a reed that they could burn and it burnt in a very standardised way and through the burning of the reed they would be able to tell time or smell it and I think for those that have an unusual preference of scent uh, Hannah says I used to work in the aviation biz- uh, industry before having my twins and the smell I really miss is burnt aviation fuel my nickname when working there was jet fuel junkie no <laughs> idea no idea if there's a perfume like that on the market well there you go there's not, an idea not, no, I don't, I, I've never heard of one but we'll, yeah. I'll have a word of their perfumers and see what they can come up with. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. Francis Pickthall, Director of CPL Aromas. We put a link on our website to CPL Aromas so you can find out more about what they do here in the region and across the globe. Check out our website, Dubai Today page at DubaiI1038.com. We've also posted up the Centorialists links on Thank Instagram you. for Carlo so you can connect with him after the show. And as always, my co-host, cross-cultural psychologist, Samini Shaheen. Thank you, Suzanne.